Father God, we ask that you would speak to us this morning through your word. Uh, I ask that you would give me clarity of speech and thought uh, that I might communicate um, from your word um, the theme of justice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We want to talk about the God of justice, uh, and I titled the sermon the, ju- the I titled the sermon "Justice for God's Sake." In the 1950s and 60s, there was a movement um, called the Civil Rights Movement, and it was led, you know, uh, for the most part by Christians who looked in our society and seen uh, what we would consider unjust conditions for a a very large part of the society. Um, And I just want to call to attention the time. It was was during the 1950s and 60s. Um, And just to give you some examples, my father was born in 1941. Uh, my, My mother was born in 1948. Uh, my oldest brother was born in 1961. So we're not talking about something that was, uh, is ancient. It's not as long ago as a civil war or other historical events. Um, it was in, within the lifetime of many of the people in here. Unjust conditions abounded in our society. Uh, things like the murder of Emmett Till, a 14-year-old uh, young boy. Uh, we had things like church bombings during the Sunday school hour that, that killed uh, innocent children. There was unequal treatment by the law in society, and it abounded. And we look on that, and we say, that was unjust. That movement climaxed, some would say, uh, with the March on Washington when a young man, uh, a, a preacher, Martin Luther King gave a speech that is infam- infamous now. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of quotes. We, we, uh, we would title that uh, speech as the I had a, Have a Dream speech. But in the speech, he um, spoke on the verse of Scripture that we read this morning, that we've, uh, been stu- the book that we've been studying about here recently. And so I just kind of wanted to call attention to just a small portion because, of course, Martin Luther King is my hero, if you didn't know. One of them, my earthly hero, and, you know, um, that was a really good speech. And I think even the speech gives us uh, some, uh, some of the ideas and thoughts and, and gets us in the mind of the conditions in that day. And I'll just read a little bit, little piece of that real quickly. He says, we cannot walk alone, and as we walk, we must make the pledge that we shall always march ahead and cannot turn back. There are those who are asking the devotees of civil rights, when will you be satisfied? We can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of unspeakable horrors of police brutality. We can never be satisfied as long as our bodies, heavy with fatigue of travel, cannot gain lodgings in the motels of the highways and the hotels of the city. We cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro's basic mobility is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. We can never be satisfied as long as our children are stripped of their selfhood and robbed of their dignity by signs stating for whites only. 
We cannot be satisfied so long as the Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and the Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, no, we are not satisfied, and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Part of what speeches like that does is for the Christian uh, talk about how our actions are, should be congruent to our biblical understanding. The things that, the, the way that we live, how we act out, even the things that we get involved in should line up with what the Scripture teaches. And so I thought um, the world, of course, uh, there are many different uh, ways of viewing justice. There's about as many uh, ways of looking at justice as there is people here. But I think that, you know, we need to step back and look at a more ancient view of justice so, as I look in Scripture, I see justice all lined throughout the storyline of Scripture, starting from Genesis and ending in the revelation of John. We as Christians are called to live from the teachings of Scripture on the matter of justice. So, let's start. Let's take a look at it. Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In order for us to talk about justice, we have to see where that comes from. And as we examine scriptures, we see that justice comes from the just nature of God. God is just. What does that mean? Uh, justice is the reflection of of the just characteristic of God. And when you look at the characteristic of God, you see many things, and all those things flow together and work together, and not one is pitted against the other. So I thought as we talked about justice and look at justice, we would look at some uh, of the characteristics of God. Uh, God is just. Just uh, has this, um, um, this meaning and this thought uh, of, of to rule, to govern, to command. Uh, in ancient times, they connected justice with the word of the king. And so whatever the king says and decrees is just. And uh, justice, you have a blessing that comes along with following what the king says, and you have a curse or punishment uh, that comes along with disobeying the king. God is the just ruler, governor, commander of all of his creation. We see, we see uh, this in uh, Genesis 18 and 25. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteousness fare as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of the earth do what is just? Psalm 99, 1 through 4. The Lord reigns, let the people tremble. He sits enthroned above the cherubim, let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. 
Another characteristic uh, of God that we have to bring into play and keep in our minds when we're thinking about the, uh, the justice and the just nature of God is God is righteous. Righteousness is the quality, state, and characteristic of being in the right. The just governor, commander of the creator God of the universe is always in the right. His righteousness speaks of his faultlessness. There is no fault in God. He is blameless. There is no blame. You cannot blame the Lord. We see this in Psalms 89 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Psalm 145 and 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The just ruler of the universe is in the right. And also, he is holy. Uh, I don't know if people still do this, but about a year ago, there was this thing to where, uh, you know, when you're talking about a situation, um, you, um, emphasize, you put an emphasis on uh, the descriptive nature of something by saying it twice. So, um, you would say something to the extent of, you know, when I grew up, I wasn't just poor. I was poor, poor. You know, you, you had a double emphasis on it. I'm, it's, it wasn't just a regular poor. We were, we were in a really bad situation. Or, you know, if you were sinful and, you know, you're being mean and talking about somebody, you put a double emphasis and say, you know, you're not just ugly. You're, just, you're, you're ugly, ugly, you know. Um, in our sinfulness, you know, in my sinfulness, sometimes we do things like that. When the Bible... When the Bible talks about God and his holiness, R.C. Sproul, you know, spoke through this and just kind of really brought this home to me. When the the Bible talks about the holiness of God, the uniqueness of God, the separation as God alone, it doesn't just say holy. It doesn't just describe God as holy. It doesn't just describe God as holy, holy. When we see it in the Bible, it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The just ruler of creation is righteous. He's holy. He's separated as God alone. He alone is God. Only in him is moral pureness. He is wholly other and separate than us. We see this in Revelations 4 and 8. The creator God, I'm sorry, we see this in in, uh, Revelation 4 and 8 which apparently I didn't put on here. Okay. All right. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait. I did put it on here. I'm sorry. Y'all forgive me. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within. So let's just take a second right there. You got some creatures here that have six wings and they're full of eyes. If that creature was to pop up right here right now, It would be something to see. It would be something to look at. But when the Bible talks about those creatures, it says all day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy. Don't look at me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We see this in Exodus 15, 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? Awesome and glorious deeds during doing wonders. First Samuel 2 and 2. There is none holy like the Lord, 
for there is none beside you, and there is no rock like our God. So just take a moment to, to kind of catch you up on where I am. In order for us to understand what justice is, we have to look in the Bible and see what the Word says about justice. And as we look in the Bible, we find that in the Bible, justice is uh, talking about the just nature of God. Uh, just, the just nature of God speaks to part of uh, or one of the characteristics of God, which can't be separated from its other characteristics. And so uh, those characteristics that I thought that we needed to look at and our understanding of justice are his righteousness also and his holiness. So continuing on the storyline, the creator God makes image bearers and blesses them. Genesis 1, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blesses them. And God says to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heaven and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. The creator God, who is the ruler and the righteous ruler and governor of the universe, creates image bearers to reflect his image. So when we think about the just nature of God, we are called, we were called, we were created to, among other things, reflect the just nature of God in our actions. God establishes with his word his command. He makes his image bearers, he blesses them, and then he uh, sets up rules and boundaries uh, in Genesis 2. Uh, started at verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. I like to think about that, uh, this scripture, uh, and this is just earlier here, you know. I like to look at this scripture and think, you know, Adam, God created Adam in the midst of all of this beauty uh, uh, and all of this uh, 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 peacefulness. And, you know, he's just kind of, you know, sometimes when my wife, you know, my wife can attest to this. She's talking to me or, you know, even my parents probably could attest to this when I was growing You're talking to me and I'm just kind of like zoned out. And I kind of see God looking at Adam, telling him all these things. And he's like, boy, I better get you some help. And so the Lord God said that it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Thank God for the helper. What happens next? We know the story. Uh, Adam and Eve failed. They, 
they took off uh, the commands of God. They uh, separated themselves from the word of God. Uh, they disobeyed him. And because of this disobedience, justice was violated. This is the first original ancient act of injustice. It's not the things that we see every day. It's not rooted. Those are symptoms that we see every day. The root cause of injustice in the earth is God's creation rebelling against the word of his creator. The root cause of justice on the earth is instead of us being the image bearers, reflections of God, we want to create images of ourselves and reflect ourselves instead of reflecting the creator God. And that's what we see in Genesis 3 and on. We claim independence from God. We redefine right and wrong. We usurp the authority of God and establish ourselves as our own authority. That is the root of injustice. The just God, the the true ruler, the true commander of the universe sets us up, creates us, tells us to be image bearers, gives us commands, and we reject it. That's injustice. We see this acted out in all kinds of ways because what happens is when we uh, violate our relationship with God, what is our relationship with man? If I'm not loving God and I'm not honoring God, why am I going to honor you? So history is full of us dishonoring God, dishonoring each other. In the garden, there was this idea, and I I jumped ahead of myself, but in the garden, before the violation of of God's justice, uh, there was uh, what's called, what we would call peace, which is not uh, the best definition for it, because peace, if you think about a definition of peace, is kind of the absence of conflict, but there is this thing in the Bible that's uh, identified as, you know, what some would call shalom, Uh, There was a state of tranquility or wholeness. Uh, Shalom also uh, gives us uh, thoughts of uh, completeness of humanity. I'm sorry, completeness of creation and harmoniousness in creation. It was a it's a pervasive concept in the Bible that most commonly relates to a relationship of love and loyalty with God and one another. God established shalom when he created us. And what happens when we violated his command is the disruption of that shalom. We live in a world of little or no shalom. Shalom is compromise. Peace with God, peace with one another, harmoniousness, wholeness is corrupted. The violation of the king's word, I'm sorry, the following of the king's word comes with a blessing, and we saw the blessing, uh, and it brought about shalom, but the violation of his word uh, has a punishment with it. And so God would not be just if he did not punish injustice. We see in Genesis 6, 5 through 7, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man 
I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth, from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. God has to deal with injustice. God deals with injustice. But along with the just, righteous, and holy nature of God, all throughout the Bible, even even moments after we corrupted the shalom, God grants mercy. God is a merciful God. So after this point, we see God's story of redemption. He wants to grant mercy to those who have violated his justice, those who have corrupted his shalom. Genesis 12, so he established a people and a family and to, to uh, show the whole world uh, who he is. So Genesis 12, 1 through 3, um, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you and who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's plan of redemption is to restore the blessing of his reign. There is a blessing that comes with the reign of God and, the, and, and obedience to God. He restores the blessing of his reign and shalom throughout the whole world through this family of Abram. He called this family to be different from the other rebel nations of the world. He called this family to be holy, to display to the world who he is and what his rule looks like to show his values. So how did this family do? They didn't do great. God calls them out of slavery. He gives them his law, blesses them with land. He calls them to walk in the ways of generosity, justice, wisdom, love, and obedience. He promises a blessing uh, in obedience, and they reject God. They fail. We read it in Amos 5 and 21. I hate, I despise your feast, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I would not listen. Sinfulness corrupted the shalom between God and man. And it corrupts the uh, shalom between man and man. And we see this all throughout our society. And not just in the fa- family of Abraham. Not, 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 they're not alone in their failure. You and I fail. Our society fails. I think the Bible speaks for itself. We look at uh, Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. 
and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue murders wickedness. Ryan and I were reading through the scripture and uh, we were just kind of reading it out loud. And I think when we're honest with, we, with ourselves, we can identify with the things that are being said. No one enters suit justly. No one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas. They speak lies. They conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. They hatch adder's eggs. They weave spider's web. He who eats their eggs dies, and from one that is crushed, a viper is hatched. Their webs will not serve as clothing. Men will not cover themselves with what they make. Their works, and wor- their works are works of iniquity, and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. The, peace, the way of peace they do not know, and there is no justice in their paths. How often are we inundated with these um, conversations and these situations where there is a lack of justice in our society? There's a lack of justice one to another. Back in the scriptures, they have made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. Therefore, justice is far from us. We've thrown the commands of God away. We've set ourselves up as king. Therefore, justice is far from us, back in the scriptures, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light and behold darkness. And for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the walls like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. We all growl like bears. We moan and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. Injustice is a problem. Not just in our relationships, not just in our man-to-man relationships and the things that we see. The just nature of God calls for the punishment of injustice, and it seems that no one is innocent of it. When we look in the Scriptures, no one is innocent of injustice. Back in Isaiah, for our transgressions are multiplied before you. He sees them. Nothing is hidden from his face, for our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us, for our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities, transgressing and denying the Lord, and turning back from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the from the lying heart, from the conceiving and uttering from the heart lying words. I'm going to continue to read it because God is speaking to us. Justice is turned back. I'm in verse 14. And righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares. This is not just, this is gone just, not just from our heart. It has stumbled in the public squares. We see injustice abounding in society, in our man-to-man relationships. 
and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him. I'm almost done, y'all. That there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. But there's hope. Then his own arm brought him salvation. And his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Now, he is the solution to our injustice and righteousness, and there is no salvation to be found outside of him. But he's still going to deal with, with, with the wrath of injustice. According to their deeds, so he will repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, to the coastlands he will render repayment so that they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord drives and a redeemer, thank God, will come to Zion. To those in Jacob who turn from transgression declares the Lord. The Lord looked down and he, see, he saw that we Wicked men had rebelled against his, create, his, uh, his rule, his reign, his command, and that had to be dealt with. But he had mercy on us. He himself came. He was crucified <laughs> for our sins, for our injustice toward him. He brought us about deliverance. Deliverance, salvation, is found in the Lord. Matthew 12, 17 through 21. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. Christ is the hope of the world. Christ brings us deliverance from the wrath of our injustice toward God. He establishes the reign of justice by coming as a child, by coming as a baby, still according to his plan uh, through the seed of Abraham in the person and work, death, life and death and crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in him, we as Gentiles find our hope. Acts 8, 32, down the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and, a, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. God embraced the injustice of the world. He embraced the injustice that you and I uh, had toward him and placed his just wrath 
toward injustice on himself. And he grants mercy to a new people. He creates a new family. He offers the recovery of shalom between himself and man and makes possible the recovery of shalom between man and man. He calls us to be people of justice. We have received mercy due to us from our injustice. We receive that by faith in Christ. And so he calls us to be people of justice, granting mercy, calling out oppression, addressing uh, justice issues in our world, in our day, in our time. Injustice toward God in creation. Injustice toward God is creation not giving him due honor. Injustice toward man to man is men not honoring the image of God and fellow man. And that continues to abound. Christ came. He established the reign of justice. But it would seem, if you, if you and I look uh, in our society and in our history, it would seem that injustice still abounds. Injustice is, can be simply summed in us not treating others with the honor, the God-given honor that they deserve. Just a few more scriptures. Isaiah 1. What, what, what are we to do about injustice? God has, God has punished uh, wickedness. He has punished injustice, our injustice toward him. He has given us mercy. So how are we to walk in light of this? Isaiah says for us to wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil from your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. God calls us to care about justice, to do something about injustice. If you don't care about injustice, you are striving in your heart against God the God of justice. If we don't care about injustice in all of its forms, we do not identify with the God of justice. God is the source of justice, the ultimate receiver of injustice, and the future eradicator of all injustice. So Christians are called, to, Christians are called not to be indifferent to, indifferent to justice. Quick quote from a sermon. The dulling of our capacities to care about injustice is owing to the fear of man because so many of us fear that if we feel strongly or give expression to caring about some of the manifestation of injustice, somebody is going to put a theological or political label on us that's going to feel misleading and offensive. And so we will convince ourselves that indifference to injustice is a price worth paying to maintain our reputation. So we fear, because of our political, the political climate of our time, we fear that if we care about injustice or we put too much emphasis on some, some type of injustice that's happening, somebody's going to put some type of label on us that, that, that we don't want. I, this is Serlio. I wish that the church would start to, instead of being known and declaring what we are against, declare what we're about. 
be about what the Bible tells us to be about. Our call is a call toward the love that flows from God. To love God, to honor God, to honor fellow man, to call out injustice, to do something about it, to be, pro, to be proactive. Isaiah was saying to seek. That's proactive. Seek injustice. Correct, proactive, correct oppression. Bring justice, proactive. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's call. Be about the act of bringing, correcting injustice. It's a call also away from bitterness and hatred of fellow man. Because let me tell you, <laughs> when, we feel, uh, when we feel dishonored, when we feel like somebody is not giving us the respect that is due in our crazy type of way, uh, the root of bitterness and hatred uh, grows in us. And you hear it from all types of people in all situations. Uh, we have all these ideas and, and evil thoughts and ungodly thoughts about the other. Our call is to call away from bitterness and hatred of fellow man. Thinking about that, uh, you know, this image came to me of, uh, you know, uh, this story, you know, I kind of created this in my head, but there's a story uh, where uh, two kids, uh, they decide to steal their father's uh, vehicle. And so um, they stole the father's vehicle, and they are fighting amongst themselves, trying to figure out who is going to be able to drive this vehicle. You know, the oldest is like, hey, I'm the oldest, you know, I'm going to drive the vehicle. And the youngest is like, no, it's my idea, so I should drive the vehicle. So they start, they get into a fight. And they take the fight to the father and demands of him justice. And they are so blind that they don't see that the true injustice was them still in the father's car. That's how I see our, squab our squabbles. We're fighting amongst each other, fighting one another, fighting in our political groups, in our, in our cultural groups, in our religious groups, not realizing that true injustice it's toward the Father. It reflects itself in our injustice that we give toward each other, but we got to get that right. If y'all know anything about black preachers, when they say I'm about to be done, that may be not the truth. But I am almost done. I got one more paper, y'all. <laughs> from the injustice, I'm sorry, from the justice of our God and Savior flows his command. As people of justice, as people of God, as, this new, as people of this new family that Jesus has created, uh, we are called to follow his commands. Uh, Matthew 23 and 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tied mint and deal and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice and mercy and faithfulness, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. That's Matthew 23 and 23. Our call to justice is a call to obedience to our creator. A call to honor the image of God in our neighbor by considering our neighbor as better than ourselves. And even though this, this whole world, this whole society seems to uh, give us a picture of injustice abounding, justice is ruling Justice came. 
Justice is returning in the person of Jesus. Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. For as they are glad when they divide, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Injustice has ravished creation. All morally responsible beings are guilty of injustice. Injustice, both in society and in an individual, must be eradicated. Both comings of Christ have inaugurated the establishment of justice, is establishing justice, and will completely establish the reign of justice over all of God's creations. Because God will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Let's pray. Father, the ultimate solution to our problem is, is and has always been found in you. Draw us to you. Make us your people. Give us your spirit to truly reflect your image, to reflect your justice, to reflect your righteousness, to reflect your truth, to honor your word, to honor the word made flesh. God, grant us justice for your sake. In Jesus' name.